0: Everyone, it's your host Matilda, and your host Hideza, and your other host Imam Mam, and you're listening to the Africa Lipso podcast.
1: One day you will come to me. Gasping through the questions leaking from your nose and mouth. Drowning. Your shattered heart a sinking life raft. You will ask me about love. The kind that holds you weightless. Sweeps you dizzy with a current that drags you into its center. You will come with your blowfish mouth and ask me why. Sometimes we hurt everything that wants to hold us close You will ask about the new skin we grow just to protect what is soft and pulsing within us You will search your mother's face for answers in your eyes a flare a distress signal a desperate SOS Baby I cannot be your life jacket Your panic will sink us both. But if you are still enough to listen to me, I will teach you how
0: to swim. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Africa Loopso podcast. Today we are joined by Titi Lokbe Shonuga, a writer, a poet, a playwright. And a performer. Hello Titi, How are you Hi. doing? I am well. How are you all? We're good. Hey We're mama. Good. Hey Hadiza. How are you guys doing
2: too? We're <laughs> doing okay.
3: We do, we do. How's your weeks <laughs>
2: been going? um wait like how does that go first
3: why is it me i can't remember my weeks most of the time <laughs> that is so true
2: <laughs> why okay i mean i, c- I can go i'll give you time to remember your week but uh, my week has been good i'm just prepping for this move so it's just been like a lot
0: to do but i mean in general it's been good yeah imama is moving to saskatchewan by the way oh yeah <laughs> where, are where are you moving from
2: uh, I'm a from Ottawa, Ontario. Oh, oh wow! <laughs>
3: I know. I
0: heard that when she when I said Saskatchewan, she was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> nothing happens <else> there." <laughs> I mean, things are happening, but really, uh, type
1: things.
3: Have yeah, you been? They,
1: I have been, yeah, but for poetry-related stuff. But I also know that there there are tons of Nigerians, Africans in general there. So I yeah, there are. there are pockets of community that you can make. I mean, I live in Edmonton, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I heard there's a really Nigerian community there. there as well. There is, there is. I mean, there there wasn't
1: always like my family has been in Edmonton since we immigrated to Canada, and at uh, that time, really like I felt I feel like we knew every other Nigerian family that was here. That was there. Oh, Edmonton, but yeah. things have changed significantly, and then I moved to Nigeria Ooh. for for some time. By the time I came back. I remember the first time I heard people speaking Yoruba like in a public place. I was like uh,
4: eh? <laughs> it was
1: when, a, a strange feeling cuz like everything yeah. was never like that. It, it was When did you immigrate to to Canada? Uh mm-hmm. 23 years ago so oh wow in 1998 i want to say
0: oh oh
3: wow yeah that's a long time yeah it is
0: i, I feel like yeah you're right in general in canada i think the nigerian population is just now developing because when mm. you go to places like houston like i mean the u.s in general to be honest like they have huge huge populations that they're even able to divide into their small pockets of, like, Yoruba people, evil people. Like, it's
1: broken in... But I would even say Ontario feels more... Like, I follow some bloggers and influencers, Nigerians in, in Ontario, and I'm always, like, you know, they will order Nigerian food from a restaurant and... You know, like these are things that are still so foreign here. A Nigerian restaurant or like an African restaurant on like a skip the dishes mm-hmm. or whatever it is, where they can deliver to your house. No, we're still in this in the space of like, oh, I know a lady that cooks, and then I go and pick it up from her house. I, that I think ah. like that's
2: kind of how. I mean, I think um I know in Ottawa, that's kind of still where we're at. Like, do we have yeah. we have like maybe like one or two Suya spots, but like I don't think we actually have a proper Nigerian. You have restaurant.
1: one or two Suya spots, girl. As it. <laughs>
2: We
4: have we, we have the options.
0: Right now my oven. Oh damn! Yeah. I thought it was even bad because remember there was this YouTube video we were trying to shoot and literally we only had one option for places to get <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> to correct. get pound or yam <laughs> and it was so bad because I guess because they know that they're your only option they don't care to be honest so yeah, it's, it's very it took, interesting like, so
2: I mean we we didn't end up getting it because it took so long and no we they kept, did like, sending us. We
0: did. Remember we, hey, we got did damn food. Yeah, oh, we did. We did, but it just took so long. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah, it did. took so long. But we did. Oh, and Tizzy, we just wanted to ask, like, how has the pandemic been for you as well? It's been
1: a mixed bag. I would okay. say that life feels sunnier now, and and that's also just because like my moods are so dictated by what's happening outside. The weather really affects me quite deeply, and so Edmonton gets like a really deep freeze. So combining Mm. that with the isolation of being inside and not being able to see anybody was extremely hard. Yeah. Uh, for us, it started in March. I'd say is when like all the lockdowns started to really, really happen. I had taken my son out of daycare because there was some other daycares are just like, you know, <laughs> kids are always sick, and that was a very acceptable thing.
2: Yeah, you know, some other
1: <laughs> outbreak at his school—hand, foot, and mouth—which is a horrible thing. So, I taking him out because of that, and because the school wasn't just doing a very good job of keeping it together when this all was coming. So, I'm like, if they can't control that, I'm not sending this boy back. So, we mm. pulled him out of daycare in March of 2020. My hmm. husband's work told them to start working from home also that same week. And suddenly the three of us were at home and All the trying time. to figure out life. Oh, wow. I've always yeah. been the only one at home. So typically my day looks like they go off to work, they go off to daycare, or maybe pre, pre baby, he would just go off to work and I would be at home. And because mm. I'm writing and working, like, it was, I, the house was my, my domain. Mm. <laughs> what happened next was that I had a toddler and a husband whose work, he's always in meetings. All of this was happening around me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so my creative life suffered. Yeah. Just because I realized, like I was telling a friend of mine that I, I didn't realize how much of my writing process is like just sitting and thinking
0: yeah <laughs> i would
1: say that the actual like sitting down to write something down is such a small part of that process and i didn't realize how much solitude and quiet was so important to that process until there were people in my space constantly mm. and i couldn't i feel like i couldn't think and so i wasn't writing because like there's no time <laughs> to be inspired by anything at first we just thought you know like this thing is happening we didn't we couldn't have imagined how long it was going to be so it seemed plausible that we could be home the three of us and you know in a little bit everybody will go back to their normal lives but that didn't happen like months and months kept passing i have elderly parents we couldn't go see them my sister was oh, in the city no. as well yeah and for a while they were like our pod family so because she has two young kids as well so my, my son could see his cousins and that. yeah and all. but then we mm-hmm. went to like deep lockdown where it was like you can't even hang out with your family so it became quite brutal and we were also like trying for a second baby so yeah. at some point in the mm-hmm. in the pandemic I got pregnant and shortly after that I had a miscarriage oh and no. so I was at home with my husband and my son going through mm. this experience in isolation yeah yeah but
3: it also like revealed that
1: like I think it, it's bittersweet because it also re- revealed the many ways that like intimacy can be formed across distance so people still like the people who knew really still showed up for me like my friend would drop food at the door my sister would drop food at the door or oh i love that and oh. things that still made me feel like i was cared for so i think in many ways that the pandemic allowed us to reimagine ways of connecting with people mm-hmm. much of my relationships are long distance anyway because i'm always i'm floating between here and nigeria constantly yeah um, but oh. this was a different kind like I haven't seen some of my friends in almost two years, you know, and so that that was hard. And then I got pregnant again. <laughs> and, oh, and you, you know, had a baby! I just had a, a little
0: girl. Congratulations! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So oh, that's like for much of the pandemic,
1: story. I was either like recovering or pregnant and just dealing with life. I also like in December of twenty nineteen, I got like. And people will think I'm strange when I say this, but I got spiritual instruction to, like, get okay. off social media, right? So mm. I logged off. Uh, and the instruction was not complicated. It just was, like, log off. <laughs> I logged off Twitter. I logged off Instagram. I deleted the apps from my phone. Quick question. Facebook. Was that hard? I thought it would be harder. Um okay. But once the apps were gone, I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the key was not just log like not just saying, Oh, I won't open it. It was logging off because half the passwords I never remember anyway. Mm-hmm. And then delete them from your phone. It was hard at first because there's an impulse. You know, you pick up your phone, you check. That was just a part of my life. And so much of my my engagement with people who follow my work was posting stuff on Instagram and tweeting and things like that. And so I worried because I'm like, if I'm not there, will people care about my work? swim had just come out the year before i'm like i should be heavily mm. promoting this album etc etc but whenever i get those kinds of instructions that's the same instruction that made me quit my engineering job and move to nigeria and most of my decision making is is um
0: inspiration is, like it is, comes is, from the it's, spiritual from place that
1: sort of like just listening and mm-hmm. doing obedience mm. is a big part of my process and it doesn't always make sense on the outside but it has never failed me so when i heard that and I'd been thinking about it for a while because I was getting, like, announcement fatigue on Instagram. everybody was always announcing something. Mm. I was, <laughs> I felt like the content or the people I was following, I hadn't properly curated that list. So I was seeing a lot of just things that were exhausting to my soul. Oh. <laughs> Plus also just the random, like, things that Instagram would just put in your timeline. Um, I say this to say that I was offline for the whole of... not. I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. I logged off in December 2019. There was a pandemic year. Oh. There was all this stuff happening mm-hmm. in Nigeria with NSARS. And yeah. so I felt like I was inside of a bunker... I I wasn't online in the way that I normally would have been. I don't know mm-hmm. now like some of it was a saving grace because it allowed me to preserve like a, a kind of sanity and it re- redefined my relationship with social media in a way that even now that I'm back I'm struggling to find a way to re re-immerse and deciding if that is something that is necessary for me. So in summary <laughs> the pandemic year was like it was a it was a mixed bag for me. There was lots of joyful things and lots mm-hmm. of painful things, and lots of reflective things. Yeah. Um, and I think, that, like everybody else, like I'm forever changed by this experience. I feel feel like we're still in it, like twice, double vaxxed, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but like I'm not mm-hmm. out there opening my mouth, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know. In every- <laughs> oh, <laughs> with, with things, this like, Delta, Delta Plus, plus thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, with the whole Delta Plus thing, we're still in it. Honestly, yeah. yeah. So like when, when
2: the pandemic, like, I guess like when we all realized or when you realized that the pandemic was a thing that was here to stay for a while, like as a writer, did you ever consider documenting that process? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I know you had mentioned that it was a little bit hard for you to write just because of the fact that there were people now in your space that you hadn't really, I guess, mm-hmm. planned for. But like, was that ever a thing where you're like, oh, like, you know, let me document this. Let me, I don't know if you journal, I don't know, I guess I, I assume all writers journal, but <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how true that is but um long story short was that a thing like did you ever consider documenting like just the pandemic year in general
1: i did and to be honest i'm a writer who doesn't journal so you can go ahead and boom. <laughs> oh okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Look at
4: that.
1: i feel like much of my journaling is in my work right so throughout the day i'm writing things down i'm like chewing on things i can be chewing on a thought for several weeks before i write it down and by the time i'm writing i'm writing something like i don't and maybe I should, maybe it's something I should introduce into my practice, but I don't journal just for the sake of journaling. I used to when I was younger, mm. but I feel like now everything has to be kind of like a movie meditation because my kids are, you know, they're going to do what kids do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did consider when I started this year off, because that's what drove my 2020 was I'm taking a year of social media. Let's see what happens. I actually thought to myself, I could really like re-engineer my brain in this time because I feel like What we haven't studied or thought about is like the effects of social media and this hyper awareness and hyper connectedness and what it does to our brains, like in a real tangible way. So I was just thinking, oh, what would happen if for one year that impulse was removed? Like, would my brain become another kind of brain? (laughs) Like, would I write another kind of thing? Uh, Mm. So I was focused more on that. To be honest, the pandemic was so dark and painful that I wanted to write about anything but.
0: But (laughs) that. But that. That makes sense. Yeah, I
1: could see that. And even now, like I just started the term as uh the poet laureate of. Congrats Edmonton. on that as well.
2: Congratulations on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big big things, honestly.
2: Yeah, honestly, I can't I mean, lie. I'm I'm sure words, I wasn't sure how to pronounce that word, so I'm time. happy you said that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, Imama, but why are you my spirit animal right now? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going oh to say it. I was like, goodness. I won't have to say it because I can't pronounce that word. <laughs> we were going to oh, congratulate no. you on it at the beginning, but I was just like, I want to hear this word said back at me because <laughs> I don't. <Pope laughs> what is um, that though? <laughs> You're basically
1: like the literary ambassador for the city. Mm. And so, Ooh, you, 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 that I, sounds like hefty. It. Uh, it doesn't have to be The way that it's set up It's a two year term And within okay. the contract Or the agreement You have to do Three events Per year That are official Like city events So they like Call you And there's something Happening that they want A poet to come and speak at And you'll I'll usually Would usually write Something for that But also outside of that Like there's also Like a, a mild expectation That you're just Sort of doing things Within the city That are arts based And yeah. that allow To come together Of course that's a little Bit more difficult to to do within a, a pandemic mm-hmm. year. Yeah. But mm-hmm. things like workshops, performances, just basically doing your normal life, but like doing it as a representative of the, city of the city and having that larger platform to promote your work and your arts, but also deeply to promote the city of Edmonton and the story of Edmonton and the people of Edmonton in like through the arts, basically. Does so that you shift your like,
3: creative process a little bit just because now you're um, representing the city? I would say that. It
1: does not, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because because much of my work, and, and I guess we can get into a larger conversation about how this came to be. In the beginning, yeah. when I was writing poems, I would just sit down and be like inspired and write a poem for no particular mm-hmm.
4: reason. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. When I decided to have a career as a poet and a writer and all of the things, mm-hmm. I quickly realized, and this is through pain and turmoil and tears and sweat, <laughs> that, that that setup wasn't going to work. So I Mm -hmm. had to diversify. So I would say that a a large portion of how I make my living (laughs) is through work that isn't necessarily just core creative work. It's like writing for corporations and Mm -hmm. brands and creating work that is like a service that is specifically for those kinds of pockets. So I'm kind of accustomed to being of two minds. So the mind that is like I'm Uh... writing an album and the album is for me or I'm doing open, I'm doing a show and that show is for me and for my heart. Uh, and then there's the work that is like, Google has come and said, we want to do X, Y, Z. Okay, you yeah. have to write for that. Uh, it's a balance that I've had to strike. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. take away from my other work. In fact, it frees me up because yeah. if, I'm, if I'm able to earn that way, then I can create work that I love just because without the pressure of it doing anything in particular.
3: Yeah. oh so you just answered the question i was going to ask because i was just going to be like isn't that draining but you've just mentioned that it's actually able to free you to do your other work yeah it frees me mentally to do
1: my other work because yeah there isn't mm-hmm. the pressure that swim is going to be you know like a chart topping album <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. um there's no pressure on swim to pay my mortgage like those yeah. things mm-hmm. really come to mind when i'm creating my own work i will say that there is where it becomes dicey is that sometimes and I would say I'm in a particular season where there's more of that corporate work that I have to do than Mm -hmm. my ability to write my own so there's always the balance so I'm doing more of work for other people (laughs) than I am in this moment like creating my own work and that gets even Mm -hmm. dicier when you have kids so like I have two a a, a toddler and a two month old and so there's no time already and then if Mm. the time that exists is for other people i really really now in more ways than ever before have to be like i'm doing now i'm just writing because i'm writing i want to go back to my 20s and all the hours I spent either sleeping or faffing, I want them back. <laughs> wow. you know, like I want. We're them still sleeping back. out just, here. <laughs> just faffing about doing nothing, just there, you know? Like, I want those hours back because I would... If I get, like, an hour in which I'm just sitting and writing, it feels like something... Has happened. <laughs> I always yeah. tell myself it feels like I've lost my keys whenever I leave the house without any child. I'm just like, did I forget something?
0: Like Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because I have those sleeping moments, but I still don't think that there's enough of that. <laughs> well, my child, my child, your day is filled with stuff. That's why <laughs> I know. But like, imagine <laughs> ha- adding kids to that because that's what yeah. she's talking mm-hmm. about. That sounds. But crazy I also think like
1: I'm also I'm not saying that because I'm like a hustle and you know those people that like wake up and hustle, wake up at five.
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly
1: I prioritize rest And this life is for lafia. Like it's for resting They
0: said the rich wake up at 5am That's <laughs> not true I'm like that's their business
1: <laughs> <laughs> The rich hire people to wake up at 5am Exactly like, I think it's just like I think that we are definitely in a culture And this is what I was saying about this Instagram Like announcement fatigue that I was having too It was like I was getting the impression that everybody else Except me in the world Was grinding mm. You know like just grinding and I'm just like, but I didn't come to this life
0: to just grind, grind, Dan, grind. It's <laughs> Beyonce has the rest? same 24 hours as you, Twitter. Honestly, uh, yeah, but Beyonce, like, but, but Beyonce,
3: Beyonce has works couple, and then an rest for a couple and of a years. Team. Exactly, exactly. exactly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know yeah
0: and I find that very interesting like I I would love to delve into your creative process because the way that you talked about direction and like just listening to that voice that tells you is really interesting but I think we should throw it back to the genesis of this because you are a poet now but you studied engineering and I find that very very interesting Yeah. Yeah, relatable because okay, this is something we didn't share with you, Titi. But all three of us on this podcast <laughs> studied engineering as well. Oh, so we're fellow oh. kind of sisters. <laughs>
3: what, what what kind of engineering did you? Guys I, did, um, I did mechanical. Uh, I did um architectural engineering.
2: Yeah, and I did biomedical and mechanical engineering. Okay, all right, all right, all
3: right, you know. Right. So yeah. sisters yeah. in the struggle. Yeah, so <laughs> I really all practicing. <laughs> I think oh, Adisa is. is. I'm so so for me. To I'm practicing. on my way to yeah. Like after I'm I'm doing an internship now, but on my like after this, I hope it's an engineering job. But interestingly, I love the fact that we're speaking to you because like I also want to go into more creative space so I'm Mm. so interested or curious to know how you made that transition because it seems like it's uh, it's a big thing yeah
0: yeah. so if it's possible (laughs) to walk us through the process like even throwing it back to like when you were younger because I'm pretty sure the love for writing and stuff like that started from when you were younger so Mm. if you could please walk us through this process because we would love to hear it
2: (laughs) (laughs) why is it like why you said like that? I was just like if you could please, <laughs> that's why. I'm here. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, when they were a child, they had a dream of being an artist or a, a, an actor, or but I never, and, and I have to be full disclosure, I never dreamed of being an artist or a writer or a storyteller in any way because mm-hmm. uh, in the upbringing that I had those options were never presented to me as something that was possible so it didn't it didn't even occur to me to think of it <laughs> i know like i grew up in a house with four older and three older sisters so four of us four girls and my parents were very very particular about exposing us to all kinds of things so my dad loved classical music and arts and <sighs> books and so we were four girls in a house we were very Sheltered and protected, which mean, meant that we weren't like we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we just stayed home Can't and release. read books, read and read books. And made up stories And games And like I feel like I'm always saying My, my husband and I joke now Whenever my son says Like acts like he's bored I'm like I was bored my whole childhood
4: <laughs> So <laughs> I use his
1: Creative energy So you be alright You know So there, that, there was a lot of that There were four of us So we had company But we did a lot of reading mm. um, And just like Solitary time My dad would take us To Muson Center I don't know if you know Muson Center in Nigeria Oh
0: we I, like, I and Imama yeah. Used to We were in choir in our school So we used oh. to perform there, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs>
1: we to, like we used to go there as kids, even long before we understood what was happening on the stage. I remember the AC was always so cold. That's the only thing I remember about Muson. We had to wear sweaters <laughs> to go there because we were always, always. yeah. And you know, we would sit there and fall asleep or wake up, and you know, there was some kind of immersive thing that was happening, even though I didn't recognize it. I loved the arts. I, my uncle was really, really involved in like theater arts, and so I had been exposed. But my father was an engineer, and my uncles <gasps> were engineers, and. So it it was never presented to me that art was a thing that people did in their lives Uh, (laughs) as a real thing. Uh, So I'd mm. known since I was young that I was going to do something that was like engineering or like very, very serious, (laughs) quote-unquote. What I actually wanted to be was an architect. But my father was a civil engineer. And I remember us having a conversation in which he, he kind of explained how civil engineering could be the best of both worlds. For him, it felt like engineering had more core science backing, so he was like, "Would you consider that?" Yeah, I remember, my dad has oscillated between wanting me to be an engineer and also wanting me to not be an engineer. There was <laughs> all these conversations around like civil and like I'm, you're in the outdoors, you're traveling to like remote areas oh, sometimes. There's yeah. a lot of that, but I, I I stuck to it. Like we moved to Canada, we immigrated to Canada. I was 13 years old at the time. And the immigrant story, we all know it's like you study hard and you do your work. Yeah. So to come back and say I want to be an artist was like a joke. Like you couldn't, <laughs> it wasn't going really, like, to occurred to me. It makes sense. So I went to U of A and hustled through what was a really challenging engineering program. Challenging yeah. academically, but also challenging in the ways that like there were very few, more than obviously in my father's yeah, but very few women mm, and also yeah.
3: very,
1: even fewer wow. black Women. I was just people? going to
3: say or ask, like, because okay, even in our time when we went to school in engineering, we experienced that. But you went to school back when, like, you know, um, <laughs> in the stories, there were
4: no blacks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Man, like, but for real though, you 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 complained about like not having enough like Nigerians in Alberta, and then also mm. Canada hadn't probably hadn't started pushing out like, oh, we need more women in engineering and all those kind of um kind of initiatives they have now. So like, yeah, I can't imagine how that must have been like for you like being yeah, i think I, I think they had a bit and in
1: that like i knew that okay. the women that were in the faculty were like respected and and they loved the fact that more more women were coming into the field so mm-hmm. i didn't feel shut off in that way but okay to nice. find community i had to go to other parts of campus which mm-hmm. is what led me into mm-hmm. So there were nigerians like international students but also like non-international students who were there doing all kinds of, they were in the business faculty they were in the arts all that kind of stuff and the places that we congregated were like at the uh bsa the black students association formerly mm. known as sash with the students of african and caribbean heritage and we nice. put on like you know how you do fashion shows and food mm-hmm.
0: not much has changed exactly i'll tell you that <laughs>
1: Um, and so it was in those circles that I was able to com- kind of explore an alternate life. So I would go to my engineering faculty, do my work, cry, my cry, and then go hang <laughs> <Cry>. out. With- <laughs>
3: go Why with do friends, we all have cry. the same experience? <laughs> same story <laughs> we're when are living, living the same life.
1: <laughs> you know, it's extremely brutal. Yeah, and go hang out with my friends in my free time uh it was in those spaces It was at the at, at a sash meeting that i like black history month was coming up and i wrote like i had been writing at this point like i had a high school teacher who had encouraged my writing and so i was writing poems but it was actually like, a quick eventually. question you said high school mm-hmm. do you mean like in canada or in nigeria in canada so i i, I started in canada in grade 8 okay So okay. i did 8 okay. 9 10 11 12 university etc um okay so it like in grade 10 i had an english teacher who really like took to the work that I was writing and really encouraged me to keep writing. And so whenever we had like sash events, I would read a poem that I'd written and they would hype me. And, you know, there was once there was a black history month where I'd written this poem, which in retrospect, like that poem should be thrown. (laughs) It's (laughs)
0: growth. It's growth. It's growth. I was so
1: proud of it. And I was so proud of it because the, they loved it so much that the U of A used to have these like glass, um, display, uh, things. Where they yeah. would, whatever the month was They would display things from that month So Black History Month they would do like a whole Black History Month Like um, display in this clear glass thing And they had my poem in there with other Black History Month related things And I was just like, ah. you know, like in my mind I had done something And I think at the time I wasn't even at the university yet I think I was still in high school So I would go to the, because my sister was president at the time I would go to their meetings And so anyways, I had this alternate life Uh, That allowed me to explore the arts as a hobby. I graduated. Mm -hmm. I started working immediately. I was even in the co-op program, so I was already working before I graduated.
3: Hola, nice.
1: (laughs) Which was great because once I graduated, I had a a job.
0: Not hola, Um, nice. (laughs) Because I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, (laughs) know, I I was related to.
1: Yeah, I should have taken a year off or something. I should have done. If I had taken that year off, I probably wouldn't would have started immediately. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, But I started working. I started working on a pretty major construction project here in Edmonton, the 23rd Avenue Interchange. It's like this massive interchange. And already, like I knew that it was exciting and fun. I was outside in the field with like the boys and having to really (laughs) think on my feet. There was a lot of pressure. Like I was just graduated and sometimes I'd be alone on sites having to make decisions about some things. I'm just like, ah if this one goes goes and collapses now, <laughs> it's on my head.
4: You. <laughs> you know,
1: those sorts of, things. There's like of errors that I made in that time. Whenever I drive past the inter I'm like, oh yeah, that was like a day where I was doing nonsense <laughs> and that thing is now nonsense too. Um, <laughs> but I was writing on the side and going to workshops and traveling for the weekend to go perform places. And my bosses knew, they would sometimes even come to my poetry shows. Uh-huh. I was so deeply uh-huh. supported that like, I've never, like, I, I feel extremely privileged and lucky to have had that kind of support. Like, I, I started a poetry night downtown Edmonton. My, the CEO of my company would come wow. drink a beer and listen to poetry and then see me on Wednesday morning. Like, like nothing happened. Like, yeah. So I, I yeah. Really supported in that way, which allowed me to explore. I took a leave of absence. I went to South Africa oh. for residency for uh, two months, three months. Um, oh. Extended it, stayed there even after the residency was done just writing living as an artist and i feel like that's where i got the first taste that like there was there were people in the world that were doing this for me
0: for a living yeah
1: for a living and so once that seed was planted it was like a seed that started to bloom in my chest quite literally and like consumed me i couldn't stop thinking about Mm
3: -hmm.
0: like mad and your employer enabled (laughs) it
1: i know you know what i mean like what are you doing there's so little time you're in your 20s you're never going to be this unencumbered you're never going to be this single pringle you're never going to be this like financially unhinged to anything like Mm -hmm. every penny i was making was just for me
3: you know that sort
1: of thing Mm -hmm. um and so i just made a decision in the same impulsive way to leave my job and I remember telling my boss, this is. I had just gotten my PN at the time. They had moved me into a nice window. Oh, you got you know, that? They far. Setting, they were setting me up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, to and do But can well. I say that that's wise, though, to get your PN first before you before left? Like, I think leaving? Before leaving. <laughs> just in case, <laughs> like, right? You can drop come back my... and you're licensed. Yeah. I feel like it's, more,
1: it's, like it's more. That PN process is based on your experience, like what you've done. Exactly. I mean, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got it. And then. I broke the news first to my immediate supervisor, and I remember I cried. I just sat down and Aww. started to, <laughs> and as soon as I started crying, he was like, "I know why you're here,"
2: Aww. and
1: that made Wait, me. Wait, I have a more.
2: question. Why did you yeah. cry? Like, did you cry because you were going to miss it, or because like you were happy about where you were going?
1: I was crying because I knew in my soul that I was making a decision that was going to change the entire course of my life. Wow. So it was a mix of euphoria and terror. And just like a knowing. I was overwhelmed. Like you know when mm. you say the words out loud, like you can't stuff it back in your mouth. Yeah. That something, some shift was happening in my universe. Yeah. And the words that I was speaking were causing that. And I, I I was overwhelmed. I just started crying and he was like, I know why you're here. And he said, Like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't know this day was coming.
0: He said, We've been waiting for you. <laughs>
1: He That's was sad, like, like, we've seen though. you, we've seen how you've been growing By this time, like, I had, like, things had happened I had, you know, gone to perform for Chino Achebe I had met Maya wow. Andrew. I had, like, things had happened
0: Oh, that you met Maya? Like, I, did. Oh, I no. did oh, Miss Maya, please uh, Sorry <laughs> 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 Miss Maya to Miss you, Miss Maya, yes <laughs> um,
1: Yeah, so things had happened So the people in my life kind of were like, ah, this poetry thing Like, things are happening, but I don't think anybody mm-hmm. really thought that, Like, like there were too many examples of people that had done it successfully, but yes, um so I told him, and then the news spread, and they basically just let me know like you have our they did everything to support me, everything they Aww. gave me like my five I was there for five years, my five year badge, they did a whole ceremony. They made sure that I knew that if I needed to come back, I, the doors were open. And please oh.
3: refer me. To it. If you can I'm refer really me, me, me. <laughs> me, please. You guys <laughs> can refer me. Perhaps if you can refer me, it would be nice. <laughs> you can we
1: please
0: let me focus? <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so supportive a lot of companies yes, will even now, burn that bridge all of them. wow
1: i know i know and i feel like apart, like even though they had supported me i was like ah what if i say this thing and then this are like are you crazy we just got you your png you are now just bouncing but they were the complete opposite even today when my you know like mm-hmm. when my laureate announcement came they sent my ceo sent me an email my uh, tony my boss at the time oh. sent me an email as well they're always checking in on me they follow me on twitter and instagram like they they are with me God bless journey.
2: their hearts. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh, like, this honestly, is like so supporting nice. community like does a lot to like, you know, just boost it, you like in anywhere in life, really.
1: Look, yeah. one of one of the C level executives at that company who's now retired from the company. Mm-hmm. W- follows me on facebook and still constantly checks on me wow like I've, wow. i i was loved on like i was cared for at that mm-hmm. place and that i don't take that for granted at all
0: no you because shouldn't. those years
1: allowed me like i was earning an engineering salary but was able to do all the things i need so I, my first book was self-published because i'm like i could just publish You had the myself.
0: money pay yeah. for
1: it yeah, yeah. It, you know and I, I don't regret those years at all and I've, I've now started to see how engineering and the arts are both like such an important part of who i am but yeah i yeah. I, I quit my job and then i'm like let me uh, heighten difficulty and move to nigeria since my oh, madness p- has p- not um,
0: <laughs> please, if you could also please delve into how you told your nigerian parents because um <laughs> how <laughs>
1: um i just okay so i did it first and I, I, all of this stuff I'm saying, I'm not saying because I'm saying this is a formula that you should follow. In fact, in retrospect, mm-hmm. I don't have the guts to do it again the way that I did, which is why mm. the 20s are such a magical time where you are filled with confidence and also like confusion sometimes. But also like you, everything <laughs> just feels so possible. Um, mm. So I just I did it first and then I told my parents. I will also say that like I sort of I had paid my way through school. So I was oh. doing my co-op job. And I paid my own tuition with my co-op job money. Yeah. And so in a way, I earned that degree for myself, for my parents, but for me. Yes. So the only person's money I was wasting by quitting was my own. So ah, there was that's a sense a difference. I, had I see. owned that process from start to finish and could mm. therefore say, I know. I know what the risks are. I know what the expenses were. And this is a choice that I'm making. Of course, I didn't speak this boldly and courageously. To my <laughs> yeah, parents. I also cried again, um, <laughs> um, but I just said, I just said, yeah. I, at this point, I think everybody in my life was, you know, the the, the smoke was smelling like they all just they all knew, something. yeah, yeah. They all knew it was
2: coming. It was just a matter um, of time.
1: And my parents, strangely, strangely, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> strangely, <laughs> they were not like extremely um, opposed to it. Like they were just like okay. And now, what's your plan?
4: Yeah, there was no screaming
1: or shouting. There, was, it wasn't big drama. They were just like, "All right, let's see what happens," you know. Yeah. So I moved to Nigeria, and I, at the time, I was like, "Oh, I'm just taking six months to just figure things out." Even though in my soul, I knew, I just knew that that six months was going to extend. So I thought to myself, if in six months you're broke, everything has scattered, just go you back can to your come work back. quietly,
4: yeah, <laughs> and
1: never talk about this thing again. But six months turned into one year, into five, and it's oh. been almost ten years I've been at this. Wow. Um. Um, yeah.
0: Sorry how old were you I know you mentioned you were in your 20s But how old were you then Maybe uh, you 10 years uh... ago I was <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to put it oh, in no, no, cause no, no. Some people mind. are like weird about business. talking I've, about I've, their age I've earned
1: every year of this 36 years I'm turning yes. uh, 36 on August Oh so, um, so you were 26 um, 15. Okay. So okay. I was like twenty six-ish.
0: Okay, so I have two years to get my shit together. Okay, got it, got, <laughs> it, got, it, got it, got it, <laughs> Wait, wait, it's but, um, bold. What, what inspired?
2: Like, what inspired that most interest? Because as, as far as I know, like just hearing your story, it sounds you like said you said that's the biggest risk. <laughs> okay no way because it's like you had kind of moved here like when you were in like year eight and like you know you stayed here you did high school you did university so it's like what inspired that move back to nigeria i guess what were you looking for what, what before when you went canada? there
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right um so I, I we moved to canada when i was 13
0: mm-hmm. i didn't mm-hmm. go back
1: to nigeria again until i was 23
0: oh wow but once mm-hmm. i went back
1: at twenty three, I was for like my I think my grandfather's funeral or something like that, and I went with my parents. So that was one experience. And then like another Christmas came, and I went to Nigeria by myself with my cousins and had another experience. You know, when you travel to Nigeria by yourself for the first time, that's when you know that you're like you're about to start adulting. Yeah. So the experience was not yeah. just going to uncle and auntie's houses. It was like going to nightclubs and bars. It was going to Gogo mm. to go watch poultry, open <laughs> mics and watch people perform. It was going to Freedom Park. Like I was starting to see this really beautiful community of young Nigerians that were moving back home, doing incredible things. Even the ones that hadn't left or gone anywhere that were at home building like from scratch. And this was happening Mm -hmm. across industries, right? And the arts was bubbling, like something was happening. I'd performed some of my poetry in Nigeria and people had responded. And I I was nervous because I just thought they may not be able to relate to the things I'm talking about, but they loved it and had received me warmly. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore... Because I had done lots of stuff in the Edmonton community. So I had started this open mic that ran every Tuesday for 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. I had uh, performed and competed at international, um, sorry, national competitions in Canada. So like the CFSW, which is the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word, competing against poets from across the country. So I felt like I had, there was an exploration that I had done here. That I wanted to see mm-hmm. what was possible to do in Nigeria I wanted to experience Nigeria as an adult Woman without supervision mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just needed a break <laughs> from. I, I needed to Shift completely from the life that I was living Full disclosure, before this I had dated somebody
3: <laughs> Oh no,
1: there was it a wasn't boy. boy
3: Oh no, it's <laughs> always man It's always man
1: At the time when I moved back, we were not together anymore But in the time mm. when I had started going back To Nigeria several times a year i was in this relationship and that relationship allowed me to see nigeria in new ways as well go to places i wouldn't normally go make friends Mm. that sort of thing so i had experience like i just i just felt like you know if there was ever a time that i'm going to live in nigeria for it it was always going to be finite or i thought um (laughs) it just felt like a good time since i was already blowing up my life it was like Cuckoo blow."
0: let's just (laughs) add this one let's just finish finish it
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I quit my job in May. By Juneish, I had moved to mm-hmm. Lagos. I was living with my uncle, my, my mom's first cousin, mm-hmm. and he lived in a really central area, in Nkoye, central to the things I was trying to do. So, Bukubiri, yes. I could walk there. All of the things I needed to do in VI, like it was everything, was very, very, very close. And so I was able to explore Lagos, which with not very much, like I didn't go tonight. I had savings that I had kept and said, "Okay, I'm doing this, <laughs> this stupid thing." Uh, for six mm-hmm. months, if I don't make another penny, I can, you know, I have some savings that I'm Shout out to engineering. Thing work with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shout out to engineering. Uh, mm-hmm. And then let's see what I can do to start making a bit of money myself, which took a very long time, I must say. And then I just started exploring Lagos and, and living my best. Uh, and I think that's when things actually really took off for me in very real ways.
2: Wow. So, so like my introduction to you was like in Up Was this also the time that you did? Giddy-up? I was Yes,
1: so I moved to Lagos in that June, and I think later on that month, I had been invited to perform at an event. I don't know if you know Bem Yoda. He's an incredible artist, like a musician in Nigeria. Well, he's not in Nigeria right now, but he's Nigerian, Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. was doing an event, Bem Yoda and friends, and I had been invited to be one of the and friends, so to come and perform a poem. Uh, And so I went to perform. By this time, my album Mother Tongue had been out, so people, some people, they had played it on the radio. Like people, kind of a few people. Uh, a small cult following <laughs> knew mm-hmm. my work, or at least knew me from like the Bugubiri crowd. So that's how I yeah. got sort of invited to that performance. So I did the performance, but while I was performing, or after, I met Jade Sola Oshiberu, who's the mm-hmm. director, writer, creative mind behind Giddy Up, and so many other incredible projects, uh, like film projects out of Nigeria. And my other friend, Lala Doji, who's like a, she's a producer, she's a theater artist, she's also like a, a casting director as well. Anyway, so mm-hmm. they approached me and said, Have you ever thought about acting? And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) but I can try. (laughs) And so they were like, just come to this audition. We'll send you an email. They were very like coded, like they didn't say a a whole lot. Then I went home and just was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And I get this email saying, such and such day, come for an audition for a show called Giddy Up. And like, I got goosebumps because just before I moved to Lagos, I had watched, like, binge watched. Yeah, season season one one
0: was already out. Yeah.
1: On YouTube. And I thought, oh my God. Like, it was part of that thing (laughs) of like, I knew (laughs) things were happening in Nigeria because I had never seen a show like that before. Yeah. You know, like, if you go from watching Nolly Lolly to seeing like, yeah, to seeing, like in Nigeria series looked, and stuff like that That had like a sexy look and feel I'm like ah, like you know things I I'd watched the show and loved it So when I saw the script and it said giddy up on there I said ah, I'm like oh this is <laughs> really cool So at first I thought like it was a new character yeah, And then I realized that I was auditioning for Eki, Eki. already had an existing mm-hmm. Orica goddess who like killed that role so i was Mm. auditioning for that role so i was just like okay (laughs) so a a bit of panic set in because i was like what have i agreed to (laughs) and (laughs) what do i think i'm doing but i was also in that my say yes to the universe year of like i'm in nigeria Mm, any artist that comes my way just be doing like let's just see what's going to happen and so i went for the audition i arrived that day and every like it was full of people And these people are serious acting people for real. (laughs) And that part of the audition, actually, they had done a pre audition, which was like an open call. Oh wow! And so people from the open call were now at their second audition. Audition, but this was your first open call, and they had invited me for this closed audition. So I think because maybe from the first open call, they hadn't really seen Eki yet. until so they were like, mm, mm-hmm. let's just throw this girl in there and see what happens. So there are people there auditioning for Eki who had already auditioned before.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here
1: I come. I'm in the room. I'm looking around. I'm just like, okay. What I had done before <laughs> that was like, with poetry, I've been memorizing like, poems for years at this point. And so I was confident that if for nothing else, I will remember the lines and I'll be able to say them. Acting, I don't know oh. anything about. I'm just going to act like myself <laughs> to the best of my ability. Eki felt like a very familiar character. She felt like me. Yeah. And she felt like somebody I could record. Like I know her. You know, yeah. so it, was, it didn't feel like much of a reach. Uh, so I go to the audition. I'm just there. People are prepping. They are, they are doing their stuff. I'm just looking like okay, Like what am I supposed <laughs> to be doing in this time? And it, you know, Lagos, like, like hours of just waiting and waiting. I finally get called up. And I read the part. And the reading is, like, Jade, Alala, and I think maybe two other people were at a desk. Like, real serious stuff. And you're just kind of standing in front of them. There's also cameras behind them, so they're mm-hmm. they're um, filming. I wonder where that audition tape is. I'll probably <laughs> cry my eyes out. Um, <laughs> but you're used, you're used to performing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I wasn't, like... That's the thing. Like, this thing about, like, every every gift that you have, every tool in your toolbox... Will always count for something. And I say whenever I'm feeling like kind of down or whatever, I'm always telling myself the years of nothing will count for something. For I read something. This somewhere. So it's like every book you've read, every skill you have acquired, every piece of knowledge that you have will all like will come together in some unknown way yes. in the near hmm. future to like move you to your next level. And so I was like, okay, this is the time in which I see where my confidence with being in front of people, small or big audiences. My ability to memorize and know my lines have now come to aid me such that those things are muscle memory. The only thing I need to worry about now is being like convincing and believable. I don't know that it was a great audition. I'm not saying all this because I like killed the audition. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I went and I read the part and when I finished, they started to applaud and I'm like, uh. ah, okay, that's cool. They're like, okay, go downstairs. We'll call you back up for part two. I go back mm. downstairs. And I'm still thinking, I mean, they seemed happy, but they're, look at all these people here. Beautiful people with great acting chops. The second part of the audition was to audition alongside Somkele and to see what kind of chemistry that we had. Yeah. So I, Somkele mm-hmm. played Yvonne on the show. And so yeah. I come upstairs again and Somkele is one of my best friends. now, <laughs> Simply because like that, sh- that, I mean, some of like, I have lifelong friends from the from show. that giddy up experience. Mm-hmm. And this was the marker of the friendship that Somkele and I were going to have because I came upstairs and immediately, like, okay, you guys read together. We started to like, uh, act out a scene. It felt like I had known her my entire life. I felt so comfortable. And like, so we did the audition together and they, everybody stood up and started clapping because it felt, and they would later say like they had been auditioning and auditioning. They just couldn't feel something that felt real or like a genuine connection. Yeah. And I feel like it's because me and this person were going to be friends anyway. And so she's like locked into my life now. She can't go anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a, like, I think what was for me like a really magical audition process. And so I left not even knowing that I would gotten the part. I went home i didn't hear anything from anybody again i was just like okay whatever and then uh yeah then i got the call that i had gotten the part and it was time to go to like we were, like we went to actors book, boot camp um i lost a bit of weight as well not that it was like a requirement Requirements, yeah eki eki's character was this you know kind of petite and I, i've never been petite in my life <laughs> um but So there's just, like, all of this work that needed to happen beforehand. And I realized, like, actors are real, like, it's a real thing. So when people say, well, are you doing any more acting? Or are you an actor? I, I just say no because I haven't dedicated enough time to grooming that gift. And I have such respect for the thing that they do that I can't just do it anyhow. But Giddy Up was mm-hmm. a beautiful, like, that, I, I would say, is what cemented my time in Lagos. Now I had purpose. I was there shooting a show. For a reason. the show became a bridge into my actual work and, and that I would say is how my audience started to grow and I, it changed my life really that
0: show it changed our lives too I can't lie <laughs> because um, I think that was one of the first YouTube shows out of Nigeria like one of these like yeah. modern shows that and mm-hmm. like MTV Sugar I think oh yeah Sugar as yeah, well was there they came out the time yeah, yeah that, that, that really cemented like these YouTube shows that exist right now and oh absolutely mm-hmm. it was amazing I feel like everything in your life it's from at least I'm not sure if it's because you're a really good narrator already (laughs) or it just seems like everything in your life is organic and I think at the beginning you talked about like you know listening to like there's always been a voice that tells you like you know do this thing and you listen to that Mm. how can we get that too (laughs) (laughs) like what do you think that is and how do you think that was built and where do you think it comes from because I really want to... Yeah, I would love to have it.
1: <laughs> they're, they're a mixture of things, right? So I mm-hmm. think because I write, I spend a lot of time inside of my head. <laughs> ah. um, and, and a lot of time, like turning over my thoughts and feelings and examining them and thinking, is this a real thing? Is this not a real thing? Is this legitimate? Is this not? Like all of that. I'm, I'm, and this is a good and a bad thing because it affects me negatively in my life as well in that like, I feel like I'm always... I, I can think, you know,
0: <laughs> overthinking sometimes.
1: When someone says, uh, "If there's an Olympic event," uh, that person was like, "Oh, <laughs> for thinking!" thinking I saw event. that. I can think, think from morning to night, you know. Like I would just, I laugh because I'm like, "This is so me." Um, mm-hmm. So there's that element of in that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm hyper aware about what I'm feeling and thinking and observing of the world, which makes me, in some ways, I feel like I know a thing before I know a thing. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm highly intuitive as a person but i also have a, a a a spiritual life that guides me as well i'm a christian full disclosure yeah. um mm-hmm. and a lot of my prayer life my spiritual life informs my work as well hmm. and it does so in 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 ways that i feel like and and i think this applies for anyone really no matter what you classify yourself as our our time on earth is so finite and so sometimes so fragile and short. And I think that I believe that all of us have something to offer and Mm. our our entire time here is spent trying to sort of discover that thing and to give it back into the world. And that has been my central like understanding of my life is that I'm here to be of service in some way. And that, Mm. that gift, that calling is given to me by God, by my creator, by a force that is greater than me. And therefore that force knows what I'm supposed to be doing next. I trust in my destiny. Like I trust my dreams. I trust that there is something I'm here to do. And my job is actually to like remove all of the clutter and noise that does not allow me to move in the right direction. I think intuition is the way that the spirit speaks to us. You know a thing before you know a thing, and I say that to say that, like when you walk into a room, sometimes there are vibes. Like you know, okay, mm-hmm. that place, like I don't want to be here right now, or yeah. I should go. With this you know, these sorts of feelings that you get. So I feel like if you spend time kind of grooming and massaging that muscle, it becomes a part of who you are. And if you spend time listening as well to hear what the next thing is, you know it when it comes. This is not mm-hmm. to say that my journey has easy i've had some really dark times sometimes in which i was like you have now messed up the whole <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> you know times in which i'm unsure about what i'm feeling or thinking times in which like there's been so many like my first few years in nigeria i was perform, like you'd be performing somewhere their band is playing people have turned their back <laughs> to me like i performed on events where the entire audience had their back to me I was oh my gosh
2: you I'm know, actually like, just so like crying, honestly.
1: <laughs> so there's been those moments in which I, like, I didn't trust my intuition. I didn't trust any of the things that were happening. But I've just found that like, it has, really has not failed me. Like, If I really look back on it, like, all of it has been onto something, even the times that didn't make sense. So it's a, it's a mixture of poetry and, and storytelling and writing kind of invites into itself this self-reflection mm-hmm. that makes your own inner voice clear. Um, and also for me, it's believing in a higher power. It's believing in more, in believing that I'm, like, I'm, I'm connected to like a universal energy and I'm connected to other human beings on this earth trying to fulfill their destiny, trying to fulfill their purpose. And as long as I'm in service of that, there's no wrong turn. Like you, you turn in a wrong turn and you still, like, it still guides you back to where you're supposed to be. So I'm always telling myself, that I'm not powerful enough to destroy my life. Like, you're not, you're, just, uh, you're not, you know, you're not powerful enough to scatter the whole thing. So, you, like, it's like Edmonton, I always tell my husband, Edmonton's built on a grid. So, you make, you know, a couple of left turns you your back where you started. So, destiny fulfillment feels a lot like that. Like, you can make some left turns, but always, like, I, I trust, or I try to trust that, I'm going to still be headed in the right direction.
0: Regardless. I yeah.
2: yeah. I was gonna think I just know that I'm going to listen back to this episode like multiple times. Oh, <laughs> like there's sure. so many gems dropped, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, How it's very interesting.
0: No, I I was really just reflecting on what you had said because the truth is in some way a little way i feel like i i shared the same emotion because of course like there's been times where you know you you mentioned how there's some skills that you have now that like they seem really useless and they they come together at some point Mm -hmm. like that you're like this doesn't make sense but for whatever reasons maybe it's the lack of reflection I still find myself anxious about the next steps and everything mm. because it, just so much is happening and this fear of failure and stuff still like drives most of the stuff I do whereas it seems what are, like what are
1: you dreaming about right now like what you, what is it that you want to do what is your dream
0: that's kind of hard
2: <laughs> <laughs> oof I feel like this just became a therapy session Once it, you know, it go did ahead.
0: <laughs> but I think even another thing is, I, I even fear to dream because I feel like my dreams are so outside my reality currently yeah. that it's scary. And what I have right now, I at least understand that it feels like where I dream isn't even a possibility. So when Mm. I hear you just moving through life, almost naturally letting the next thing happen, it's very interesting because for example, engineering, I enjoyed engineering. Mm. It's not that I didn't, I enjoyed the challenge, but I think there were multiple points in engineering that showed me that this wasn't my natural skill where I yeah. saw it, um, with other people and I saw things like, for example, talking or reading and stuff like that. I had been, wanted to be a journalist at some point, but mm. I didn't listen to that because that wasn't the path of, you know in my sense. head but yeah it didn't make sense yeah I, I hadn't seen people go before me and make that possible it's it, it's not within my peripheral like I haven't seen it happen so the, the dreams that I have I feel like I don't even understand it so I don't even dream about it mm. so it's very interesting to see someone that has done that and I, mm. I respect it and as Imama said I'm going to go back and listen yeah I know I'm definitely going to go back and listen like I think your story is very interesting
2: I think it's also one full of grace like I think like grace yeah. Yeah. I like also just like, I don't know, there's just like so many like points in your story that I'm like, wow, just like taking yeah. it all in, like, wow, this is just such, like, like my said, like, just like moving through life, like, I <laughs> suppose, like, just letting life move through, move through you, you. I feel, like, a lot exactly, like, life move through them. But it's, like, I know that you it sounds like actually took magical. that effort, <laughs>
1: <Right. But laughs> So, I please I don't I romanticize to be, this, <laughs> exactly. Like, I want to be clear in that, like in retrospect is when all of it clicks. comes together mm-hmm. that yeah. right sense. it's in retrospect yeah. that in the telling of the story that i'm like oh wow this happened and that happened but inside of it is hard like inside of it is lonely and painful at times inside of it is like you have all these things in your mind that you cannot explain to other people in my family, I'm the fourth, so I'm the last born. I have three older sisters. One's a pharmacist, one's an, uh, an accountant. Like, one works yes. in the banking industry. The
2: original Nigerian serious? professions. Yes. <laughs> they have serious they're jobs. serious people.
1: <laughs> and so for a long time, I was always the strange one that was living in Nigeria. What are you doing? They couldn't really understand, you know. <laughs> and, and before I started to really, really hone in on my skill and, and, and have the confidence to even call it a service that I provide that I can charge for, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of shows for free. I was looking at my savings account just going down, down, down you know, <laughs> and feeling like I had gotten this education and I was squandering my life. I'm saying this to say that it hasn't always been clear. Mm. I have moments that where it's loose, I'm lucid and I'm like, okay, I'm doing it, it's making sense. And I would in this work there's also like big things happen and I'm like, okay, this is the moment. I performed at the inauguration of the president. You know, my life mm. was supposed to like something. Did you happen? <laughs> yes. Obama.
2: Wait, sorry, wait. Oh. Ob- Obama- Obama- Obama-
1: mm. <laughs> You know, like, things were supposed to happen. And that day ended up being one of the hardest days. Like, I cried that day because it was just chaos. As Nigeria, does was a chaos. And <laughs> nothing really came out of that in my that in my career that I can say was a tangible thing. Uh, so there's always mm-hmm. this kind of rocking back and forth in which you're like, it's going, it's going, it's not going. It's going, it's going, it's not
0: going. <laughs> you feel like you're at the cusp of something and then, like, you yes, know. Yes, but yeah. what,
3: keeps,
1: what keeps me moving is that, like, I'm always saying I could not have been put here to to... Like be so consumed by a passion for something, and for all of these things to happen, just for it to be some kind of joke that God is trying to play. <laughs> mm. It can't be that it is a mistake, right? So even when I'm unsure, there's a, there's a poem that I wrote where I'm where, I'm, where I say, um, "I'm walking even when darkness falls. I am standing in the light of the everlasting." Because it's like even when I don't know where I'm going, I'm just like <laughs> putting one foot. In front of the other and hoping that something will catch me, which makes me uh, reckless. <laughs> but also, it hasn't failed me yet.
0: Yeah, it's working. No.
3: So it's I'm just saying a, that it's
1: not easy and what you're mm-hmm. experiencing or feeling is part of the, that unsureness that like, is it going to work? I don't know. All, mm-hmm. all of it is valid and all of it is and you're not doing anything wrong by feeling that way. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to, like, kind of... That's why I said, like, what are you dreaming? What are are your hopes and dreams? And the older I get, I feel like the more simple those dreams become. Mm -hmm. That my work has value in the world. That it helps and um, supports people. That my family can live off the fruit of my labor. And that I have peace. Like, Alafia. Like, I have peace in my life. That's My dreams are not complicated. I'm always saying my dreams are not complicated. So, if they are simple, then... They're cheap then they can't be that far out there yeah. that I can't mm-hmm. have them. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I had a question actually before I before I said my question. Um I, I just want to say and I feel like I said this to the girls I sent a message to them I feel like I don't feel like you speak like such a writer like such a poet like it's so interesting to hear you talk like I don't know if oh. anybody has ever said that before but it's like I feel like when you talk I feel like it's almost like you're reciting a poem or like you know just no. a story it's like so easy to follow along <laughs> and I really enjoy I really enjoy just Thank listening you. to you talk but uh, back you. to my question uh, the show that you had in Nigeria the op- like I think it was open actually I don't think I know I said I think is so out cool but I know <laughs> I went for the show but anyways (laughs) (laughs) the show opened that you had Nigeria I think it was about four years ago um Mm I guess like i just have a question about like that show like what inspired you to do that and like also in nigeria and um also like just what was the like process behind like mm-hmm. i mean like not the I'm technical sure process but <laughs> <laughs> so oh. long story show like what was the inspiration behind that open show because i thought like it was like that was one of the first i think poetry shows that i've be- i've ever been to in nigeria and it was just so magical for me and i really really enjoyed it so like i guess i was just wondering for you like what was the inspiration behind it like like, why did you choose to do it then and there?
1: Open. <laughs> Before open, I had done a show called Becoming. Mm-hmm. And Becoming was a, a similar format, but my dreams for Becoming was that it was going to be like... The, we, the, first, the show was at Musang Center, which was full circle for me because I mentioned earlier that my dad used to take me there to watch concerts. And it's like a 350 or 400 seater big show. And so I thought, oh, becoming will become that sort of thing. And years passed. I didn't do another becoming because I felt like I was being called again to do something that felt more intimate and quieter and more honest.
4: Mm-hmm. I
1: wanted to share poems that I wouldn't normally share. I wanted to share poems that were even in progress. I wanted to do it with like music. I Like I, music is such a big part of my creative process. Like I write to music. I listen to music. Songs inspire poems, etc. I just wanted to, it to feel like with becoming i was just doing my poems and there was a big band there was this whole thing but with open i talk in between i wanted people to understand why i had i had written certain things and what they meant to me the show just came to me Mm. it was like why don't you try doing something that feels open (laughs) why don't you do even just the name just the name (laughs) yeah you know like why don't you do something that feels like just inviting people into your process the way that you think what you think about when you're writing something what inspired some of these poems that they may already know share new poems share poems that are imperfect or unfinished share poems that are thoughts or haiku or like my like um mini poems like do all of that so i did the first version that was just in lagos it was three locations in lagos and it was so well received that i'm like something is happening like in performance i have this moment where i feel like like my my friend Juana has an album called Tran- transcendence and it's like there are moments in performance where i feel like Something spiritual is happening, and like mm. like I've transcended the, the like the physical plane like I, I travel into my mind and my body, I feel the audience is with me in such a way that if <sighs> if a pin were to drop, like we would hear it like everybody's so like other performers will tell you this thing as well, like you start off there's noise, and then slowly it gets quieter and quieter and quieter until everybody's just listening to you yeah, which is such like a privilege and an honor really for people to just stop what they're doing and hear what you're saying um and open felt like that over and over again like i'm like something is happening like people would come to the open show and weep wow even me i'm crying you know like it was just Mm -hmm. like it felt raw and open and i knew something was happening so i did the first three shows in lagos and then i i had my son and then when he was four months old i went on tour i did edmonton calgary here in canada and then i did london i did johannesburg abuja and lagos again which was i mean i can go i can talk about that forever but it was extremely <laughs> challenging with a newborn but yeah. we did it we survived it and by the lagos show we had 300 people in the audience but like mm-hmm. trying to make that intimate feeling intimate for 300 people
0: yeah it's it's um, harder yeah. yeah
1: but yeah that show is like open is still a thing uh that's going to continue once the world feels a little bit more normal But I guess it's my way of doing work that just feels... Yeah, more... (laughs) Doing work that feels (laughs) close to my heart, that allows people to know me and my work. Like, in my work, I appear to be quite vulnerable and open. But in real life, like, because I do so much of it in my work, I'm not... I'm kind of like... I have a very small circle. You know, like, I I don't... I'm not a very public, public figure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so open allows me to... And I'm also... I'm also shyer than I appear to be, or more introverted, I would say, so open allows me to like kind of be out and open and yeah. then like retreat back if I need to. It's my way of being like of giving, more vulnerable, yeah of giving mm-hmm. yeah
0: I've heard a lot of art Um, like people that create, do things th- like that they speak through their arts that's pretty much their way of giving themselves to the world at that point in time and then mm-hmm. like i i would imagine a kendrick lamar is like that because he's also not a public figure but like when i i listen i'm a kendrick fan if you haven't gotten that yet but <laughs> I, wh- I, I feel right like <laughs> sorry when you listen to his rap i feel like it's also the same thing like it sounds like he has introspected and he's just mm. giving you the um results of his of of what he has thought exactly okay. what he's thought yeah. about it's an interesting
1: thing and i wanted to i, I want to respond to that a little bit i've realized like in the last year i've been like in therapy and just like really really thinking about how my mind like how i work how my yeah. mind works mm-hmm. i think a lot of people went into therapy during the pandemic because
0: oh holla <laughs>
1: um, but what's come out of that is me realizing that i had like i use my work as an escape Right, so I'm able to say things in my poetry and my performance that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say in real life. Yes, I also, I also have this thing where I'm being vulnerable, but I'm being vulnerable after I have thought the thing, I've introspected. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, (laughs) are you mean And is that, and is that that really vulnerable? Right, like, Mm -hmm. is it really vulnerable to only share the story on the other end of it?
0: I, I think it still is. It's just your way, right?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So my way has been that. It's been like, I've gone through the thing. This is what, these are the lessons. It's always the lessons, right? But I guess where I'm trying to be is another kind of vulnerability that allows for imperfection.
0: Uh. You
1: know, that allows for the messiness of it all. And that happens Ooh. a bit in open, which is why I think I'm so fond of that show. Yeah. But, but I found that like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and that makes it difficult to be truly vulnerable in the way that you need to be um and so i'm trying to make my work balance my life if that makes any sense
0: yeah mm-hmm. and imama um had you gone for open before you heard swim uh, yeah it so came out yeah. yeah is that what sold event. you on it oh a hundred percent yeah <laughs> i just yeah. wanted to i i wanted to get that like i i think whatever you connected with the crowd i feel like imama is a good oh, yeah, testament I know. I definitely
2: that- <laughs> like yeah i definitely felt that like i it was like i said it was a magical moment for me like i remember literally living uh like i left open and i had called on my friend who so was meant to come but she couldn't come and i was like oh my gosh like literally the, one this was the with? best thing ever it was the one in lagos i think it was um uh ozumba by the way, I, I don't know <laughs> sure. i think it was like somewhere in vi mm-hmm. it was somewhere in vi and it was in Lagos. I can't remember the exact place. <laughs> it was in V.I. And it was in Lagos. <laughs> I think mean, you know... Okay, it was in V.I. We're the worst. <laughs> it was in Lagos. But um, I haven't... Yeah, I don't know. I
1: don't know no, island, I think like, I that, know the one. Honest, was it upstairs? Was it at 16 by 16 Or was it at... <laughs> Not um, the England silent question. It was... Um.
2: It was Was it
1: downstairs? a big venue or a small venue?
2: <laughs> it was a smaller venue. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was a smaller venue. And I think there was it was like a one second you know I I could probably find the address because I have the I still have the like tickets or something <laughs> I'm just trying to remember because no, but... I did two
1: versions of open there was one that I did that was like three locations in Lagos and then there was the tour I'm trying to figure out if you came to the one that was part of the tour or the other one either way mm. both shows were very similar I would say one yeah. one was more recent and so mm-hmm. like I'd had my son by then so things were like poems are more evolved and different yes but mm-hmm. both of them are still like super special to me and like that show is magical nobody can tell me different like after every open show like there was like a crying festival yeah. of like people coming and just like revealing things of themselves to me that poems had inspired, or people just saying, I can't talk about it right now, but like I'm feeling away. Away, um, yeah. And I, I feel like, yeah, like the, it wasn't church by any means. Like I'm not a preacher, but I know that like <laughs> there was like the spirit was in the room and all of us were like communing yeah mm-hmm. with our 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 feelings and our thoughts and our our beings and like if it, it is such a gift for me to know that the work that i do has the capacity i mean it doesn't always happen but that it has the capacity to do that cuz i also that. I've also had shows in which i'm like oh yeah this was a dud like nothing happened <laughs> and that's when i know that the show like even if i performed perfectly i know that like if i didn't connect in that way i know that like something either i wasn't in the room which means that of my mind is elsewhere or like i don't know but whenever I have those feelings of like, like something spiritual is happening, I know, aha, I was there. Like I, I was in the room that day. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of shows that I look forward to. Have you guys seen Soul? Um, I th- have. My son loves that, <laughs> and it's such adult <laughs> content, but it's he ad- won't stop watching. <laughs> yeah, it. I
0: cried at the end, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of the um, the spiritualness of like you know the creativity because you know in the movie when he played jazz, apparently they went into like this dimension almost that's like in between here mm-hmm. and like you know the spiritual realm and stuff I know that movie I know it's an animation but top tier Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, but I, I feel like it. it's kind of a little bit what you're describing to me. But um, yeah, talking about your work, I thought it'd be nice to talk about your most recent work from um 2019. This is how we disappear. I got a copy. I'm yet to read it. <laughs> okay. But um, could you tell us like what inspired that? And um, I think you've already talked about your creative process. But for this specific body of work, what were you thinking? um this is how we
1: disappear is like a very different kind of work like i know people who followed me through the open through the swim who have said like this felt like a departure like it felt like a different side of what you do and 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 that's great like for me my hope is for the work to be as expansive as possible like I, i want to do all the things um but this is how we disappear came from uh Reflections on the, the disappearance of the Chibok girls at the time mm. That's where like the first poems came from exactly. And I started to reflect on global disappearances How women disappear in so many different ways And right from those perspectives Some of them are lived experiences Some of them are stories Some of them are like, you know It's sort of just like trying to encompass this feeling Of the ways that we disappear But also the ways that we survive that disappearance mm-hmm. The way that we re-emerge as something whole Something new the ways that we, like, disappear ourselves from the places that harm us and come back as something else. So it was just me exploring that. Writing for the page is a completely different thing. There are versions of the poem that exist on the page in the book that have live performed versions as well. The way a poem reads on the page feels sometimes quite different from the way that it sounds when I say it out loud. Yeah. Uh, so I was grateful for the opportunity to work with, like, a, a really fabulous editor, Alessandro Nakarato, who helped me through the book. And a publisher who was willing to, an indie publisher, which is a whole other thing, but smaller <laughs> publisher, but publisher that has a lot of grit and 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 w- was interested in my work. And it felt important for me to document that time in history, something that really struck me around, like what it means for girls to disappear and for nobody to really do anything about it or really seem to care, except for like a small group of very persistent voices and bless and them. Um, yeah so that's that's that was the inspiration for that book and also just me like exploring another muscle and writing for another medium yeah and trying to do that with the same you know with the same ginger why
0: would you say that people think it's a divergent from like it's it goes away from it's just
1: a different it feels like a different voice like Mm. it feels like a different me yeah so if if you go into it with the expectation of hearing or reading poem from open yeah then you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you go into with the expectations of swim, then it's not going to feel the same. Um, but I think when, when people understand the context of the poems and why they were written and how they were written, then it allows them to like in- experience Relate it in regardless. the way that it was intended. Yeah. Um, it's not a coffee table book. It it gets quite dark. <laughs> it's a hard book at times. Yeah. Um, but it was necessary and and reflective of where I was in that time.
0: So yeah, you guys should check it out. I'm yet to read it. I got it just recently and I read the first poem and I already, I knew where it was going. So I was like, no, I have to sit down and read this one. <laughs> I, I I already could ones. tell. Yeah, those ones that you're like, eh, yeah, this is not a casual read at all. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I look forward to that. Do you guys have any more questions? Because I had a final one before. Mm. Oh, you can go ahead. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess... The question is kind of different. I had it before we started this conversation, but I'd say what do you think you would, what advice would you give anyone that's like at a place where, you know, they have to make a career shift? They, not they have to, but they're in between making those decisions and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because that was a difficult. Like almost a U turn because at least sometimes people hop onto careers that are um, you know related at least, but this was a huge jump. But what advice would you give them? And the reason I say it might be a little different is because I feel like the way you've described it for you, it was like almost like a spiritual like direction. It was a natural flow, but um, I would still love to hear your response to that. To be honest, yeah,
1: I mean to give practical like. Practical advice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because
1: everything cannot exist in the realm of the spiritual, right? Yeah. There's like real life consequences to blowing up your life or trying to. <laughs> um, I would say it has to be a bit of both, right? So you plan and you pray. So with the with the planning, it's thinking about what you want to do and why you want to do it and how that serves your purpose, whatever that purpose might be. And some people have many, like some, I know have friends who are good at so many different things that it's hard to say, this is the thing I'm supposed to go and do. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I think the early years are a time for exploration. Try many things and fail with great enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like try many things. It's so hard though. (laughs) It is very hard, but it will, what it will do is help you come closer to that thing, the thing. It gives your mind a chance to know itself like yeah. To know like what it feels to not be like to fail at something and how painful that is but also to say okay, we try again. Of course it's easier to do that when the stakes are lower, but sometimes the stakes are already quite high. In that situation I would say plan. For me I had like I had saved to give, like, to give myself this gift, right? And that savings had a, ta- a finite timeline in which I'm like, it's going to finish. <laughs> and in that timeline, I said to myself, do all the things, right? So that meant putting myself out there in ways that were spectacularly terrifying, but necessary. So auditioning for a show that like, you've never acted before, just be going. <laughs> do, experiment with the things that's, that are terrifying to you, Do them. Do all, like, do all the things. Give yourself some actionable goals, like some things that help boost the journey along. For me, I know that small wins are very important to get me to the end goal. So if I want, if my end goal is I want to do a show called Open that has 300 people in the audience by the finale, I have to break the steps down to first, I have to write some poems. Well, first I have to live a little bit and go and like (laughs) have a life (laughs) that informs something that I can write about. Then I have to write the poems. Then I have to think about who I would collaborate with. Then I have to think about, how can I fund this thing? Is this applying for a grant? Is it my own money that I've saved, or some like, can I get sponsors? Everything that I've done that has been a big big goal that was terrifying and scary when I was able to break it down with just one, one, one foot in front of the other. That's all I can do every day is one small mo- one small thing. I wrote one poem today. OK, that's one poem towards the 15 poems for open okay i keep going yeah i spoke to somebody today who says "Ah, they have one venue i'll go and look at the venue. like i was just moving not because i knew that i was going to be able to pull it off but i'm like the only way to get to this end goal is just to do the things that get me there yeah until i'm there you know for me personally and i don't i don't know if this works for other people it's like i also need to be accountable to something or someone so, it's either I've told somebody I'm going to, it's like when you want to exercise or whatever it is, like you either you go with a buddy or you tell them, like, this is what I'm trying to do. For me, I'd made an announcement on the internet.
0: <laughs> Not that those ones.
1: <laughs> on this day at this time. So, hello. It had have, to. Like, you're going to make it happen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so giving yourself places to be accountable, people to be accountable to. And also that, like, it's never too late to start a thing. I'm 36 years old and I still feel like I'm at the beginning of my career. I have two <laughs> children and I still feel like I'm at the beginning of my career. It is, what I'm learning is that you are always brand new. There are always opportunities to redirect the thing. And there's no shame at all in working your job that you are working that's paying your bills. You know, and in that time when you have that cushion, when you have that support, use that as your exploration time if there are things that I would do differently, I probably could have extended my time in enduring a bit longer. That would have made the beginning a a little bit less painful. Hmm. But it happened, right? But I would say that if you have a good thing going that is working for you and you're trying to pivot, you don't rush that pivot. Like, give yourself time within what is existing. Not thinking, oh, I want to do this thing by the time I'm 30 and that's like, you're killing yourself over that. No. What if you do it the year after that? Like, nothing is going to
0: you're not to, rushing anywhere you're not rushing it yeah. right so
1: slowly into the pivot if there are courses you can take take them if there are people who are doing the thing that you want to do learn from them and people also will be my mentor be my, mentorship isn't always like fa- like you don't always have to call the person on the phone for them to mentor you can the internet is big and free for <laughs> us to learn in ways that we never used to be able to like you can take master classes on almost anything you can think of use yeah. that as like a practice into the thing that you're trying to do, do a sound check in that way. Like I did, I took a leave of absence from the job I was doing to go and put my feet in the water a little bit, go back to my job. The -hmm. process can be slow and like like a slow cook. And that too is valid. And Mm -hmm. I would say finally, like there's an element of grace, luck, serendipity that Mm -hmm. goes into all of this planning and praying. It's like sometimes it's also being able to recognize when a moment presents itself and rising to that occasion. Okay, I've been invited to do X, Y, Z. To give a talk, to teach a workshop, to speak in, for, like, all of these sorts of things, or even smaller things. Like, I've been invited to a brunch in which somebody I have looked up to, or like, really want- is going to be there. Okay. I'm going to rise to the occasion. Like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up prepared to, like, ask questions or prepared, to, you know, like those sorts of things. So recognizing when a moment is there and getting out of the way. Because there's mm. a lot of self sabotage as well. There's a lot of like, oh, mm. like ways in which we kind of like <laughs> that part.
4: <laughs> Tell me about <laughs>
1: it <laughs> before it's, it's even happened. So it's always mm. just like I've done my work. I know this thing, and I'm I'm walking. So many of the biggest moments that I've had, I've been moments in which I was terrified yeah. that I was going to disgrace <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I know. But the risk of disgrace is always there, and it's like I have you know. The- <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, but there's a video that goes around of people cringing when they remember certain things that they have <laughs> yeah. done. I remember when. I, yeah, I have, <laughs> there's a particular moment and I won't say it out loud so that only me will know that I think about all, I'm, I'm 36, this thing happened years ago, I still think about it where I'm just like, ugh. Oh, you know, it was, it was so embarrassing, mm-hmm. but it happened, and, and nobody died. You know, I
2: don't know. So it, I feel like people can actually die from embarrassment. I feel like I can <laughs> die from
0: embarrassment. <laughs> no, if a actually moves,
2: like she can die from embarrassment. Oh, oh God! <laughs> Honestly, I'm very, it, very scared of embarrassment. I, mean, I'm I cannot even think about it right
1: now. I, maybe I can die from it. I don't know. <laughs> there are some things that will stick with you forever, and if that is the price to pay. Like, if the price to pay is some of those moments along the way, some small disgrace, is it, a, like, you ask yourself, is it okay? Can I, can I live through it? And if the answer is yes, then you, then we move. And sorry for anybody that remembers that. I'm, I wasn't there. Who, when, when, how? It could, it could not have been me. It must have been another person with my name and face. So there will be, there will be moments of falling flat on your face. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and there's this, I can't remember the, the quote, Brene Brown,
4: and, the about oh name.
1: <laughs> and it's about like if you're not in the arena getting dirty getting disgraced getting bruised up then you can't like there's nothing to be said but like honor goes to the people who step into the into the arena and and are ready for the fight that is required to live this wild and wonderful life like that is where the the, the action is happening so it's easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize and say ah they, I could have done it. They could have done it this way or whatever. Do your own. Do your, let your own. own. Do, your let your own be bad first, then do it ten more if times. If like easy, yeah. Do you it know, you if easy, exactly. And <laughs> the only way that these things get better is like just by doing. Like I have mm-hmm. so my family is always saying how I never tell them when I have a show. I never tell them when I have a book. <laughs> my parents have never read like because I'm always just doing the thing, and it's it's because a part of me is is like. <laughs> Still very shy about these things. I always think my last work was the worst thing I ever did and everything in front is better. And that's also like my toxic traits. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that it is like, it's about allowing yourself to be vulnerable and Brene always says be aw- awkward, brave and kind. And it's that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, let it be clumsy and foolish, but you're courageous and brave <laughs> in the doing of it and you, you do it with, with grace. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. But grace to that that you wait that you have a, a dream or a calling or a pivot that you're called to do and you don't do it. Time is still going to pass anyway. Yeah. Mm, like true. time is still going it's to go the five
2: years are going to go anyways. <laughs> anyway.
1: And one thing I know to be true is that like if you have a dream or a calling that has said to you go and do and you don't do, you're still going to do it but it never gets easier.
0: Yeah, you know, mm.
1: like, and the lesson returns over and over again, and God will blow up your life until you do this. Until, <laughs> like, until you go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's been my experience anyway. So mm-hmm. just be brave. I know that it's hard. I know that all of it feels very high stakes. But some of the moments where I thought we we're going to destroy everything, I look back now and I just chuckle, and that's <laughs> that life. You know?
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That like
2: wow. <laughs> that was something thank you so <laughs> it's been amazing wait wait wait, wait, so wait, wait. before yeah. we go I remember where it was <laughs> where what was oh, oh you got look, the ticket I, oh, yeah, boy, I had to look me. through my email <laughs> but it was a, it was an open tour finale in Lagos oh, oh it yeah. was a tour yes it was a finale and that was which is beautiful but yeah so that was it sorry you can go ahead but what <laughs> <until> I proceed <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay. I was just gonna say thank you so much. This was I feel like a timely conversation, and I feel like anyone yep. listening, <laughs> I feel like there's uh, you always need to be reminded of these things. To be very honest, because sometimes we just go with the flow in life, and mm-hmm. it's it's a nice, nice, nice reminder. Thank you so it's much. Reminded me also, I must say. But oh, thank you, thank
1: you. Really yeah. thank, thank you
0: you <laughs> for
3: <laughs> sharing your stories
0: <laughs> with us. They were really, really honestly, awesome. Honestly, <laughs> very
3: heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. yeah you,
0: you say happy. you're not vulnerable, but I feel like. You might be our most vulnerable (laughs) guest. (laughs) Yeah,
2: like you were just so open. Like, you know, the things that you shared were just like yeah she's very
0: open so we really appreciate that and you should also definitely check this out when it comes out too because it might I feel I find even on this podcast sometimes I hear myself back and I'm like I don't follow my own advice so
2: i need to go listen back to some episodes because
0: (laughs) maybe you're not listening to yourself (laughs) maybe I'm not listening to myself for real yeah so thank you so much so so much Thank thank you so much All right, guys thank you so so much for joining us today it's really really been quite an episode, and um don't forget to follow us on all our socials at Africa Lipso Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are on YouTube now, so you should check us out there. The Africa like, Lipso Share, podcast. subscribe. Yeah, but <laughs> catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> For sure musicians. Wow.